Welcome to Nate's Take on Real Estate. I'm Nate Cody, a realtor with Park Place Homes in Midland, Michigan. I've noticed people love to talk about real estate. The good, the bad, and especially the ugly. So, why not podcast about it? Between bouts negotiating for clients like you, I interview noteworthy, knowledgeable guests about all kinds of topics in the world of real estate. From the practical, what do you do when a house fails an inspection? To the weird, you bought the house because it has a ghost? So please join me in today's episode of Nate Takes on Real Estate. My guest today is Andrea Foster, who serves as the Community Programs Manager at Little Forks Conservancy right here in Midland, Michigan. Her work includes the Nature Nurture Program, which is an environmental education program spreading the word in local high schools. Andrea is often seen all over town as she serves on the City of Midland's Parks and Recreation Commission, the Midland Area Community Foundation's Cultural Awareness Coalition, and the Public Arts Committee. But in addition to this passion for community work is her obvious love and deep knowledge of our local flora and fauna. But today, we speak of invasive exotic plants, the dark side if you will, that can damage your lawn, your house, and your property values if left unchecked. So please join Andrea Foster and me on today's episode of Nate Takes on Real Estate. Hello, Andrea. Hi, Nate. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? Great. Great. All right. So we're going to be discussing invasive species today, exotic invasives specifically, and people don't always think about invasives. In fact, I can almost guarantee they don't ever think about invasives because it's just not something that comes up in the average conversation. I'm probably the only person when looking for a home, I demanded to see the yard before I looked inside the house when working with my realtor. You did. thought I was nuts. But really, it's so important to know what is in your yard before you buy because some people don't realize that plants can be incredibly dangerous and ruin the entire habitat of your backyard and could cost thousands of dollars to manage and maintain. Did you ever find any any uh, rough stuff when you were looking at those rough guys when you were uh, looking at houses here in Midland? Well, nothing too terrible. There's there's some that are you're just not going to be able to avoid, like buckthorn. Yeah. Um, buckthorn is probably one of the more common ones that we see around here. Um, and it's supposedly a shrub, but it can grow definitely into a tree-like right. structure. Um, and they've got these really sharp thorns on them, but they right. don't look sharp until they're stabbing you. But they end up in these really like kind of the scrubby natural areas and they take over everything. Right. So it, it might at first just look just to the untrained eye, my eye untrained. Mm-hmm. That's a line from a movie but uh it just might look like part of the natural habitat yeah. like maybe at the edge of your yard if you're next to some state land or some nice woods or something like that yeah and it can be confusing because birds do in fact love it it yeah. provides a great you know overhang kind of shade and everything and it's got berries that they yeah. love it's been debated whether or not those berries can harm or help the birds but really it's about the ecological impact it creates not just above ground but underground in the soil so there are good plants and there are bad plants. Right. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about some of the bad plants today. Hopefully in the future we'll discuss native species because I think that can be really beneficial. Oh, we're ge- we're ge- we're, we'll be back. You're so uh, so nice to us already that, oh, good. that we'll be back. Good. So I wanted to start with just one of the absolute worst ones. Why don't we just start yeah, it off on there. a bad note here? Jump in there. Um, so Japanese knotweed. 
Japanese knotweed. And you said both invasive and exotic? Exotic invasives is one of the terms that we use. Um, Invasive species can cover a wide range, especially it could be different types of animals, bugs, fungus, anything. So we're going to really cover exotic invasive plants. And so what is the exotic part of it? So there are plants that native plants, when we talk about native plants, those are plants that were here exactly where we live before people existed. Yeah. So they are adapted to the climate. They're adapted to the soil. They thrive. They don't need humans to help them. And they are also the types of plant species that will support wildlife, support pollinators, support just about any sort of ecological beneficial thing you could see. So then we have plants that thrive in other places where they're native. Right. And they're perfect for that area. They are the plants that are exactly where they're supposed to be. However, sometimes these plants get brought over from other countries. So they're no longer in their native habitat. Now they are exotic invasives in ours. And they will then take over anything in the area. So when we talk about exotic invasives, a lot of the ones we find here in the States and especially in the Midwest area are all from Asian continents. Okay. So if you see Japanese barberry, Japanese knotweed, those are pretty obvious where they came from. Yep. And they are absolutely wonderful plants in the place where they're supposed to be. where they're supposed to be. Yeah. And I think it's important also to talk about how invasives get spread, especially Mm -hmm. plants. It's always a human activity. Yeah. It didn't happen before people, right? Yeah. So let's say you have a boat that's going from one continent to another. Whoever gets on that boat, maybe they went for a hike before they got on the boat. Maybe they were walking through some grass and they picked up seeds or just smaller things that you can't expect to see. And so they get on the boat, boat comes all the way over. Maybe they're chipping cars or something. Anything you can think of that's a method of transportation is now a method of transportation for exotic invasive plants. Gotcha. Which is why it's so important anytime you go hiking, anytime you go in the woods, anywhere, that you're not spreading these invasives. So you need to do things like use a boot brush, get some of the seeds out of your boots, check on you, see if anything clung to you because plants are really smart. They want to travel. Oh, absolutely. There's even tales of people who will... There's like a hollow cane someone had, and they would fill it up with seeds from another continent, and they'd come to, to our continent and start using it and spreading those seeds wherever they were because they thought they were doing things that are beneficial for the environment. Well, and a lot of these actually came in in older days because they were pretty flowers, and yeah. they spread them all across on the, by the interstate, across the whole country, and everywhere yeah. it could take root, it took root, and now we're... Uh, up to our ears in purple loose strife or exactly. whatever. Exactly. So yeah. Japanese knotweed is a really yeah. good example of one of those. It looks like bamboo. Yeah. Okay. And everyone loves bamboo. It's this really pretty little thing. You can get it at the average grocery store. And, and the important thing is, is don't plant it in your yard or anywhere in the soil. So what does it do to the soil? And- so most invasives will in some way... They can alter the pH of the soil, which means it'll make it really difficult for native plants to thrive. Right. And it can also stay in the ground table. They can stay in the seed table for a long time. And it really just starts to alter things and make it uninhabitable for the plants that are important to be there, which then allows this invasive to thrive. So So we usually think of these things as they're there. We don't want them there. They're ugly, but they're they're, they're real consequences to your material or your property uh, in terms of this one. So tell us a little bit more about that one specifically. Yeah. So it's a a perennial herb. It comes every year. It can grow up to 10 feet tall. And they're really the easiest way to identify it is that the stalks look like bamboo yeah and it spreads in so many different ways so not just by root or rhizome as we'll call it but fragments of the stem 
Yeah. Even just something as small as your fingernail, if that gets shredded by, say, a lawnmower because you've mowed your lawn, you are now planting a bajillion little oh boy. seeds because every tiny bit of that stem can turn into a new plant. And so it spreads that way. It also really loves water. Yeah. So you'll find it thriving in ditches, storm drains, moist areas of a yard, because it naturally wants to be in a space where if the waters are coming and going, receding, flowing, it'll flow out with it, right? So even its flowers, its flower will sprout and seed. A master propagator, it sounds like. Yes, and it's a very, very, very strong plant, which is why it's really important to take a look for it in your yard, because if you're ignoring this in your yard, it's really hard to get rid of. Really? One of the few ways we found is to use an herbicide that is injected into the stalk of okay. this bamboo-like thing because it's hollow, right? How big do the stalks get? I is mean, it I've like seen a big it grass be about like a, a half inch to a three-quarter yeah, inch right. thick. Yeah. And what it'll do is it'll grow underneath and start popping back up. It'll just kind yep. of travel down a few feet and then a new one will start. Yep. And a new one will start. And so it travels and it travels wherever it wants. And then one of the, the few ways we've seen that people can actually get rid of it and not the average person because the strength of these herbicides are not available to the average person. Right, right, right. right. Um, you need to have a license just to get the stuff that might kill right. is injecting it into the stock and hoping it reaches the root system. Isn't that something? Yeah, you're definitely not supposed to move it. Don't cut it. Like, call professionals if you can. Oh, really? Um, because even just cutting it, one tiny yeah. slice, you there know, you go. and burning it, they don't always burn well. Some of these can be really toxic. And what, what's the name, what's the, the name of this? Japanese knotweed. Japanese knotweed. Yep. And so it's got these big, beautiful heart-shaped leaves and and it's really become such an issue and you can talk to some folks in Kalamazoo about it because it is rampant in Kalamazoo. The stems are so thick that it will grow through the foundation of your home. Ah. And so you will, let's say it's real close to your house. Yeah. Those roots are very likely starting to get into the base of your home. So literally now we have damage to the immediate environment environment or micro environment of your soils Mm -hmm. you have that it's just today people don't want to buy places with you know i i'm a realtor i throw this in i'm also used to be a biologist so i find this really interesting and but here we we have it all together and something that can potentially hurt your foundation of your house which everybody that's looked for a house bought or sold a house you know the foundation it well it's foundational right Right, and everyone's so wrapped up in it. So you've told me that this can actually have negative effects. You've seen demonstrated negative effects on property value. Absolutely. I mean, you've got the roots of a plant destroying the roots of your home. Yeah. And so no one wants to buy a home that needs a new foundation. Yeah, absolutely. And it'll grow up through even your driveway. Any sort of concrete, anything like that, it can really start to affect. And it's very, very strong stuff. So if it's strong enough to grow through your foundation, imagine how hard it is to get rid of. Yeah. You really just don't want it. And so it's actually becoming much more prevalent in the area that we live. Yeah. Um, There's a really great app on your phones and tablets that you can get for this stuff that'll show you where it's been found and you can log it in yourself. It's called Missin. Missin. M-I-S-I-N. Missin. And it's it's put out by MSU and it's really sort of like a crowdsource version of where to find some of these exotic invasive species in our area. Um, I highly recommend using it and then being a part of that. You can log in what you do find. But that's just one of many. Pick out now this this is such a short podcast and we could sit here for hours Uh and I see you have material for much longer than you actually have today. And I uh, pick out your next favorite villain. Okay. And uh, tell us a little bit about that one. 
Um, well, I think the next one that is a little bit easier to remove personally, but not actually remove immediately, right. would be garlic mustard. And that's one we're going to be seeing coming up very soon here if it's not starting to pop up already. Now, it sounds nice, garlic mustard. That sounds like yeah. something for Friday night. But what Well, do you, it's actually what? a it's an edible. So oh, people right? will eat it in salads. It's quite delicious. Yeah. It tastes like garlic, which yeah. is... So I, I try and describe it. It looks a lot like little violets. Okay. The violets you might find as a ground cover and a lot of times people will mistake it for the other it also looks like something called creeping charlie creeping charlie i've heard of that one yes so the best way to identify it it's small it's little green leaves and they're some of the first things that come up and if it looks like a violet but you're not sure it'll have more serrated edges garlic mustard will you can actually pick the leaf crush it a little bit and smell it or even go so far as to taste it and it will taste and smell like garlic garlic right which is why people love it um but but it is really, really harsh on the environment. Okay. Um, let's say you find some garlic mustard and you're great. I'm going to pull it. You pull it out of the ground. It immediately the leaves will snap right off. So you right. have to really pull at the base because it is very well rooted into the ground. So you have to pull it out. It almost looks like a little carrot that you're pulling out. Yeah. And when you do that, that's great. But you have to keep pulling every single little tiny plant for up to eight years. Oh boy! <laughs> Those seeds can remain it, in the seed table that's part for that of the, long. That's part of the seed bank. Do they yes. still use that term, seed bank? Seed yeah. bank. So yeah, it's got um, it's shade tolerant, so it really loves forests. Right. It loves being ground cover in forests. Yeah. And it's one of the most easy to spread because once it flowers, that's when the seeds come out. Yeah. And so you're going for a hike in the woods and you go off trail just a little bit. You've got garlic mustard seeds all over and you don't even know. And so then you don't use your boot brush and you get in your car and you go home and you're starting to weed your own garden. And then next year you've got garlic mustard. So how is it, how does that, you said it's one of the worst for actually the environment. Yeah. um, What what does it, what does it do? Well, you think about how important our forest floor is, right? There is so much that is beneficial in a forest floor and so much of that, you know, all the fungi, everything that is really just essential to keeping a forest growing healthy can immediately get shaded out and choked out by this very prevalent plant. Mm -hmm. And so it will change the pH levels in the soil to make itself more, make itself happier and make other plants not happy. Right. right? Um, And so then it will really mess with the fungus. It'll mess with all kinds of stuff. And it just throws the whole ecosystem off balance. And the more you learn about our forests and our woods and how important those are, the more you learn about how trees talk to each other underground through root systems. Oh, it's and ph- phenomenal. It's just a really, really interesting and complex system. Yeah. And so anytime you put something in that system that's going to thrive where it shouldn't, it's going to throw the whole thing off balance. And so because it's so hard to get rid of, you can't, you can foliar spray it all you want with Milestone or Roundup or whatever it is. It's not going to do anything is that because right? it, it lives in the soil. Yeah. So you can spray the leaves. You can kill the leaves. You can pull the leaves right off, and that won't matter Yeah. because everything else is deep in the soil. These little these little plants are just fascinating. I remember uh, I was teaching a class, and they, they uh, taught botany once, and they brought up a plant that was about three inches, a little herbaceous plant that was three inches in the woods. Mm-hmm. And they said, this only grows, and they did a study on it, this only grows at the very edge of the woods when woods are expanding right Mm -hmm. they found this this plant certain you know and and a patch of it so it was established certain distance into the woods and they're like this little plant that comes up every year has got to be at least three or four hundred years old and it just comes up so you're talking about these 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 guys now they're tough you know and i guess i guess that's my point andrea we are out of time thank you so very much 
And if you're preparing your house and you want to sell it or you want to make it more eco-friendly, just give me a call or give me an email and I'll point you in the right direction and I'll see you out there. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today. When you need a realtor, give me a call at 989-600-4214. Together, we'll get it done with both professionalism and a little bit of humor. Let me know if you have a topic you'd like me to cover on this podcast by dropping me a line, or even better, stop by and see me at Park Place Homes at 1007 East Wackerly, right here in Midland, Michigan. And for all you Facebookers, you can find me by searching for Nate Cody at Park Place Homes. And don't forget the A in Cody. It stands for, uh, what a good realtor. Keep your eye on the market, and I'll see you out there.